everyone. Welcome to News and Brew Sports Biz, our podcast series that advocates for the financial voices in college athletics and features new developments impacting the business of college sports. I'm Katie Davis. And I'm Ken Kurzel. Joining us today is Ben Broussard, the Senior Associate Athletic Director at NC State and Executive Director of the Wolfpack Club. Welcome, Ben. Ben, tell us a little bit about your history in the industry and the career path that got you to where you are today. I appreciate that, Ken. Um, so I am originally from South Louisiana. Um, I did an internship while I was a grad student at LSU uh, with the PGA of North Texas. Um, while I was with the PGA of North Texas in grad school, I met a bunch of really, really great people that, um, that introduced me to some parts of the sports marketing world that I previously didn't know anything about. Um, and it was a really nice experience. Um, took my first job out of college working with that, uh, that group trying to raise sponsorship dollars for golfers that were trying to make the PGA and LPGA tour. Um, when I got a phone call from a grad school classmate of mine, the Tiger Athletic Foundation was looking to hire um, a development officer. Um, interviewed for the job, didn't get it. They gave it to a former football player who, uh, who actually caught the, the earthquake touchdown pass when LSU played <laughs> Auburn late 80s. Wow. Um, and, and, and I was okay with that, right? I mean, he was probably more qualified and a better person for that job. But as the world works, three months later, he got scooped up by a pharma company to sell some drug. And I got a <laughs> from Major General Ron Richard, who was running the Athletic Foundation, and he offered me that job. Um, as the world works, I started January 1, 2004. Um, and about five days later, LSU won its first football national championship in the Superdome versus Oklahoma in 50 years. And so I, uh, I was a very, very popular person <laughs> in my job. And um, I think that sort of set the, the, the pace for me moving forward with what we were able to do. So starting there, I was able to grow in my career. I had a lot of really fortunate people placed in front of me that helped me get better at my job. Um, and that led me to where I am today. Well, that's certainly a great way to start your career. Like you said, getting to fundraise directly off a national championship, uh, you couldn't ask for a better, better role for a uh, chief fundraiser. So. Yeah, and, and as the chief fundraiser for the Wolfpack, um, let's talk a little bit about the other side of the coin of when maybe there's not as much success. And of course, we've seen with the pandemic um, that has really put a wrench in any kind of plans anyone has for um, success as a team. Um, and especially NC State has seen this. Um, talk to us about the day your football bowl game was canceled um, and what you felt like you had to do for your student athletes and your donors um, who attended the game, especially given this is the second time you've been significantly impacted by COVID in a high-profile postseason competition. Well, and I'm glad you mentioned that second part because I don't think you could answer the football question without alluding to what happened in Omaha. Mm -hmm. To, to Elliot and that, and that baseball program. Um, the thing about NC State um, that, that I learned very, very quickly is I'm not sure that there's a more passionate but dedicated fan base to their program than NC State is. Um, NC State is a school where people grow up in this state and they're very, very proud of what's been achieved here. They're very proud of the degree that they can get from this institution. And they're very proud of the role that this institution plays in the state of North Carolina. But to answer your question, um, when we were in Omaha um, and COVID caused some issues with our baseball team and we were forced to play a very, very good Vanderbilt team um, with 13 players, right? We had three players playing out of position. Our All-American pitcher played first base and went three for four, <laughs> nonetheless, that day. Uh, 
and, and but but it was a very NC State reaction from our fan base, right? Because they were proud that our guys showed up um, and that they still represented the institution in the finest way possible, um, and that they didn't give up. Because very easily, Elliot could have made a decision that I'm not putting, you know, my All American pitcher at first base just so we can play this game, but. But he basically said, um, and I'm going to steal a line, but he basically said, we're not going to give up, right? And that's that's mm-hmm. that's a Bono NC State line that, that, that rings true at this place. So they gave it their best. And, and, and I'm not kidding you when I tell you that had the NCAA allowed that baseball team to play the next day with nine players, they'd have played, right? They'd have played. So fast forward to San Diego um, and we're scheduled to play UCLA. Um, you know, the night before our, we had a, a really big contingent that made it out there to include the players and family, the family of the players. Um, and that's a long trip from Raleigh, North Carolina to, to Southern California. Um, and everybody was excited to be there. The, the, the bowl committee was amazing to us. The holiday bowl was, you know, all the festivities around it. It's one of the best bowls in America. Um, and we were ready to go. We had breakfast that morning. Um, our fan base was sort of making their way over to the ball game when we got, I think most of our fan base found out on Twitter, but when we got the news that, um, you know, that UCLA wasn't going to be a play in that ball game, um, and, and as you can imagine, the majority of our fan base, uh, with, a, with a few expletives, said, oh, no, not again. Right? <laughs> we can't believe this is going to happen to us again. Um, our athletic director and our football coach did an amazing job communicating to our student athletes, you know, letting them know what the situation was and that we were going to do anything and everything possible to find another opponent. But that late in the bowl season, that far, you know, on the West Coast, it just wasn't an option to get another opponent out there. Um, and our fan base really appreciated the, the fight that, that Boo and Dave put up on their behalf to show that we were doing everything we could to play, that we're going to play that game regardless. Um, and our, our fans are resilient, right? They, they really, really are. Um, and Katie, to, to, your, to your question, um, the thing about, about this job that I took during the pandemic is, you know, people say, how, how difficult must that have been? Um, and, and I'll say that there's some blessings of starting in a pandemic, right? I mean, I had the opportunity as a new guy to reach out to all of these folks and get to spend probably more time than I would have spent with them had it all been in person, right? It's a little bit easier mm-hmm. to get a Zoom meeting right when you start. And so to really dive into some of my constituents and donors, uh, there were some blessings to the fact that we had to do this during a pandemic. Yeah, so... So with the way the bowl game shook out, you know, it was a cancellation as, a, as opposed to being a W, you know, as far as a postseason win. Is there any kind of impact, whether it's, you know, financial from, you know, what you get of coming out of the bowl or even just being able to market the fact that you were successful in the postseason um, and, and how that impacts how your donors give? Um, the, the, there's there's two answers to that question. Yes, there's a significant financial impact. Um, you know, some of the payouts that you would get from the game, from the ticket sales, from the television contract, you know, that doesn't happen. So you certainly are exposed to, a, you know, a, a loss that you've got to figure out. Um, our conference has been really, really great in helping us, you know, work through that. Um, and so we're not going to lose as big a number as we thought we would on that. But But there will be a loss there. And so that's unfortunate. Um, you know, from our donor standpoint, from our fan standpoint, um, they love the fact that our team was there. They love the fact that our team was ready to play, was willing to play, and that they were going to make it happen under any set of circumstances. And that's a very NC State thing. 
Um, you know, the, 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 the two billion dollar campaign that, that just wrapped up on NC State's campus, the motto was think and do for that campaign. And that, that's who NC State people are. Right. They they they, they get things done. They use their hands. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, there was a little bit more adversity. Um, they embraced the fact that our football coach and our football players were there. They were prepared to represent us in the best way possible. Um, so our fan base handled the football piece. Uh, better than they did the baseball piece. The baseball piece really hit home because, you know, we had a chance to win a national championship and unfortunately we didn't get to compete for it. Yeah, no, that's, that was heartbreaking. And, um, but it's encouraging, like you said, the, um, the reaction from your, your fan base and your boosters, you know, to just the, the attitude really that the teams conveyed in both of those situations. So, so if COVID has been one of the, obviously the, just the dominant topic uh, affecting the world and the sports world the last couple of years, I would say, you know, easily number two right now um, is NIL. And, um, and of course, we know that NIL is, is kind of the Wild West right now with a patchwork of laws between different states. And um, as we've seen in some states like Ohio, for instance, um, you know, Ohio State is now explicitly come out and, you know, talked about how they are going to be involved in helping athletes set up NIL deals. Um, what do you see in that and like how that affects you for um, coordinating with boosters and, you know, just the whole gamut there of, of what that brings into play for you? Well, I don't know in, you know, in my 17 year career here, I don't know if there's ever been um, a more, interesting topic, disruptive topic um, than NIL, because um, I believe that what the NCAA thought they were doing um, and what has evolved into are not quite the same. Um, mm. and, and, and so, you know, we're getting a lot of questions early on from, you know, from donors, from boosters, from student athletes that says, you know, tell me exactly what I can do. Um, and we've got a great compliance team here that does everything they can to make sure that we don't get ourselves in a bad spot with the NCAA. Um, and so we provided all of the guidance early on. And, and then the landscape it quickly began to change. And, and just to the things that you alluded to, to what Ohio State has done, what Texas has done, um, even Florida right there in your backyard. I mean, you've seen a number of places put out, uh, you know, their plans that, um, that get a, a big group of people together that find ways to collectively um, market NIL deals to their current student athletes and the future student athletes. Um, and so we are, as we speak, we are right in the middle of um, figuring out exactly what our next steps are going to be. And there's a number of, um, you know, of business leaders in our community that care deeply about this institution, um, you know, that are working to find what's the right way to do this so that we can, you know, make sure NC State stays competitive, but that our student athletes have every opportunity to, to get a great NIL deal in the Raleigh market. Um, I say all that in that the Raleigh market is a, a fantastic place for business these days. So there's a lot of folks here, um, you know, that are exploring those opportunities. And I think NC State is well positioned. But if I said that I've got all the answers right now, I'd, I would just be lying to you because I don't believe anybody does. No, that's certainly true. I mean, would you say that the speculation I've seen the various folks, you know, suggest that basically every power five school will have some form of a collective really even here within the next few months, does that seem like a reasonable prediction to you? That does seem like a reasonable prediction. Um, you know, I'm not sure they'll use the word collective, um, but, but yes, I mean, I, and, and the, the reason being is because um, I think it's going to set a new bar, right? There's, there's going to be a standard of, 
Um, if a student athlete, right, who's considering your school isn't asking the coach the question, like, what is your institution's plan and process for NIL, right, then that student athlete's probably not asking all the right questions. Right. And so at the very least, every football coach, basketball coach, and it's going to make its way down to every sport sooner than later, um, they at least need to be able to say, yes, we do have a plan. We do have a program. You know, there's a group of people that care about this space that you can reach out to that can let you know what our plan is. And so, yes, I think you're right that sooner or later, everyone will have something. Yeah, and, and you alluded to uh, a couple of minutes ago, the Raleigh market and being business friendly. And we all know with aging fan base and trying to engage the younger generation of fans uh, to become your future boosters, that's going to um, look different depending on your market. And I think with it being so tech focused in Raleigh, you all certainly have the potential of where we're seeing now this rise of emerging fundraising methods and items like digital assets, such as cryptocurrencies and NFTs. Um, is Wolfpack Club exploring acceptance of any of these items or what are you seeing in the market right now as far as some of these new innovative ways to raise funds? Yeah, it, so it's interesting you bring that up with the tech focus here. We have had a number of donors um, that did really, really well in cryptocurrency early on that were adopters and believer in the currency. So we have had a few donors who've said, hey, I, I'd like to give you guys a much larger gift. Um, and so from a cryptocurrency standpoint, we, we've, we've put our toe in that water. It's not a huge portion of our portfolio, but it's certainly something that's out there. Um, the NFT space is a little bit different, Katie. Um, we're not a we're not a hundred percent immersed in um, in accepting NFTs, but we are in conversations with some organizations that do NFT work um, around how can we generate additional funds through NFTs and brandings of some of our current and former student athletes. So I think that will happen sooner than later. But the, the only thing there is, you know, let's say 10% of our, our, our donor population has a decent feel for cryptocurrency. That number is much, much, much smaller that understands an NFT and the value of an NFT. Um, so I think there'd be a lot of donor education still on our part, um, you know, for that for that to be a, a big revenue source. But I do see that being something in the next couple of years that could be a significant revenue source in Raleigh. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, so with all this, you know, COVID, NIL, other emerging issues, what is the narrative that you look to put forth to your donors really as you talk about the, these things and the, the need for contributions and kind of where you're going in, in the athletic world at NC State? So the thing about NC State and the Wolfpack Club, the Wolfpack Club, um, you know, within the next you know, decade or so is going to turn 100 years old. Um, wow. So our donor base at NC State, they understand the need um, to do their part. And they would they would use those words to do their part to ensure that our student athletes have a world class experience at a world class institution. Um, I, I go back to when when COVID hit hot and heavy. Um, we had a program called Preserve the Pack where our donors could make the, the choice to donate their ticket money back to the athletic department to keep the lights on. Um, they also right also, in addition to their ticket money, you know, every single donor that has a scholarship gift with us, you know, to total around 13 or 14 million dollars, every single one of those donors. Right. And we're talking 13, 12, 13,000 people. Uh, we didn't have a single donor pick up the phone and call us and say, hey, there's no football season this year. There's no fans. 
uh, I'd like my scholarship gift back. And, and the reason that they didn't is because our donors, uh, they know very, very well how important what they do, be it $100 or $10,000, that that money makes sure that our gymnasts, our football players, our basketball players have the opportunity to get a degree. And so the messaging that, you know, there may not be games or there may not be fans, but they're certainly still going to class and they need your help rings true with our donor base. Um, I, I've not seen, um, and I've been at three institutions. I've been at LSU, at Colorado, and NC State. Um, I've not seen a fan base that is as in tune to the student athlete experience and what it means to be a student athlete at NC State as the Wolfpack fan base. This place means the world to them. Um, they're very much engaged. And listen, that's the good and the bad, right? When we lose you here, when we win, they love you. Um, and, and I'm okay with that, right? I love a passionate fan base, and that's certainly what we have here at NC State. Well, that's impressive and obviously is a testament to the fact that there's been great messaging and communication over the years to that fan base and that donor base to, to make that happen. And, you know, that's that's great. So, well, we call it news and brews because uh, Katie and I often enjoy either coffee or beer on these. Uh, we're recording this one in the morning for our listeners. So um, so we're drinking some coffee here in, in Gainesville, at least. So, Katie, what are you enjoying this morning? So I'm having um, some coffee. I, I like to bring back coffee beans when I travel just to try different local roasters, similar to what I do with beer um, and local brewers. Um, and over Thanksgiving, my family went to Jackson Hole, Wyoming, and it was beautiful. And there's a local roaster there called Cowboy Coffee Company. And I have their cowboy blend that's um, a dark or medium dark roast, and it's low acidity, which I like. Um, and as I said last month, I'm learning to embrace black coffee and actually am enjoying that today, surprisingly. <laughs> That's great. Ben, are you uh, having something this morning? You know, I, I've got two answers to that question because, yes, I am having a cup of community coffee with chicory, which is, uh, if you grew up in South Louisiana. Oh, that's the Louisiana thing there, yeah. Community <laughs> coffee is just one of those things. And when you travel on Southwest now, community coffee is on Southwest Plains. So I've got that's a cool. K-cup of community coffee right here in my mug. Um, but the, this evening, right, we have a basketball game tonight. And the, 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 the local brewery, and, and I'm, not a, I'm not a big craft brew guy. I, I sort of like mass-produced American beer. But there's a <laughs> There's a there's a local brewery here right outside of Raleigh that makes uh, that makes a red oak, which is uh, which is an amber. Um, and that has been my go to beer since I've made it to Raleigh. So shout right. out to the. That's that's good. Excellent. Well, I, I'm enjoying some coffee also uh, from a local Gainesville roaster called Afternoon. Um, a great um, restaurant as well as coffee roaster and drinking a blend from them. It's, it's really tasty. So. Well, Ben, thank you so much for joining us today. And uh, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. Cheers and go Pack! To learn more about the James Warren Company Collegiate Athletics and Higher Education segments, go to jmco.com. And don't forget to sign up for insights to get our latest industry updates, news and events delivered straight to your inbox. You can also follow us on Twitter at jmcohighered and on LinkedIn for the latest news as the landscape of collegiate athletics and higher education is continually evolving. 